Welcome to the Association Strong Podcast, where we offer insight from both a seasoned association exec and an entrepreneur. I'm Dave Will. And I'm Tom Morrison. Listen in as we discuss and debate hot topics in the association community. Don't forget to subscribe and share us with your friends. Tommy Morrison, welcome back. Man. Big day, man. You know, every time we come on one of these podcasts, I always tell you why I'm so excited about the podcast. Tell me. When I'm ex- <laughs> tell I'm, me why. why. I'm excited about this podcast because I've known our guests for a number of years, and I'm very excited because she was actually at my and Deanna's wedding. Get, traveled I, all I the way down. I didn't know that. Yeah, she came yeah. down. She participated in it. I got through her a camera and said, hey, can you videotape this sitting where you're sitting? And so she... When you look at our highlight video, we didn't get some big time camera company to come in and do this. We just threw the camera to Jess, who's good at this stuff, and said, hey, just videotape what you see. And she did. And it turned out to be a great video. So I'm excited to have Jessica Levin here today to just hang out with us and talk about how to connect back in with in-person meetings. Welcome, Jess. Thanks. Excited to chat with you both. Thanks. So Jess, generally speaking, because I'm a little bossy, I come in and I like introduce people and Tom lets me do that. And then he jumps in and we start to interrupting each other and we fight over who gets to ask you questions. Does that sound about good for you? You can fight over me all day long. All right. <laughs> so Jess has a company called Seven Degrees. It's it, it, She focuses on branding and, and business process and essentially helping people get out of their own way as as she describes it she's a part of seven degrees is is her role as coo for abacus worldwide and and a number of other organizations she's an author too written some really cool books and working on one one of the books is perfect pairings the art of continuing i'm sorry of connecting people that get right the art of connecting people yeah you got it right all right and then the the next one is everyone has shit unsolicited advice for being human and then now you're working on one which is being when you grow up which is about figuring out how to make money while enjoying what you do and wearing multiple hats hats and so on so um just so really glad to have you on here tom you had a very specific reason though for uh, first of all Jess, did i leave anything else that you want to focus on anything else that describes who you are Oh, I don't know. I mean, I could talk about me all day long, but I'll let you talk about me. Where do you, you, you live down in Florida? Is that right? Oh, no, I'm in New Jersey. Oh, New I'm, Jersey. I'm originally from Florida, um, but I've been in New Jersey 20 something years now. <laughs> all right. Now, are you talking like New York side of Jersey or, or water side of Jersey? Or some other side. Is there are there any other sides of Jersey? Ah, uh, this weekend there was a lot of water side of New Jersey. <laughs> um, I'm in Central Jersey. I'm about um, halfway between New York City and Philadelphia. All right. So Tom, talk to me, man. Why I it was your idea to bring Jess on. You had some really good ideas that you want to talk to her about. Get, well, us, get here, us started. Here, Here's the thing. You look on Collaborate ASAE, you look around all the discussions going on, live meetings are coming back. And so many people are just virtualed out, Zoomed out, go webinar out, and, they're, and we're about to come back where we have a human connection, which a lot of Jess's books talk about that. And I've just heard some conversations with people who are, they're not struggling with it, but it's kind of like you get, like anything else, when you don't work out for 18 months, you've gotten lazy in your body and you've gotten lazy in how you approach health. And so when we haven't connected in person for 18 months, a lot of people said they've really gotten kind of lazy in their networking skills their connecting skills. How do you go about those strategies of uh, building a network again? And some people who have a big network 
you know, some of their networks disappeared because out of sight, out of mind kind of thing. So I thought it'd be awesome to have Jess on here, who's actually written a book on this. You and I, the three of us, I think, excel in this area. Some of that's due to our personalities, but I thought it'd be great to have that conversation with someone who's written a book, who speaks on it, and really encourage associations as they go back into live meetings. And so especially suppliers, what are the keys to networking? How do you connect into the live meeting? And how do you walk away with people that can help you? You can help them and actually make more money over time. So that's why I was excited about having Jess on today, because I know she's really done a lot of research and, and talked about this at conferences. Tom, just real, real quick, and then I want to hear from Jess, but you say the three of us excel in this area. I appreciate you saying that, but I don't feel as though I excel in this area. I, I oftentimes just want to sit here in my office at home and not go anywhere and not go to conferences because it's easy emotionally and easy uh, with a family. And when I want to go do things around with my family, that's it's tough to pull away for a few days at a time. Um, and, and and so you go through a year and a half, two years of not much travel because of this pandemic. And I, 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 I don't think I realize how much damage it's done professionally on a on this networking sort of on this connection level there's people that i haven't seen in person in a couple years oh yeah that i just see on facebook and you know, a little bit on linkedin and and if i have enough gumption i might pick up the phone and call or text or something including clients uh old friends jess jess is a good example like jess is somebody i know from conferences and at a conference might have a drink and hang out a little bit but like no conference, I, I haven't reached out to Jess in like two years. Thanks to you, at least for bringing us together again. So like, I think that's a great point. I do not feel like I excel in this area. So I'm curious to hear Jess's perspective of how damaging the past couple of years has been and if, or maybe it hasn't been. And um, Jess, how do you see people can I, can I break can I, connection? Yeah. Can I, just before you talk, I just want to respond to Dave's comment because of why he does it so well. Because in my belief, extroverts have an easier time of it because they love people. Yeah. And I'm not going to label you as one of the other day, but people that don't excel at it. I see I've watched. I've been in a room with you for 10 years now watching you and you excel at connecting with people, whether you want to emotionally or not, because you have a good mental system of how to go about that. Networking is not more about my willingness to do it, but having a, a systematic way about going about it. Even I know some introverts who are phenomenal networkers because they have a skill set that they've developed that helps them move past being an introvert and they can walk into a room. Of, my wife's one, one of them. My wife can walk in a room. She hates being in crowds, but she can walk in a room in two hours and know tons of people. So that, but I just want to encourage yeah. you that I, I think you do well because I get you that. have a skill set that you do. So, now, so just now, I'm sorry, jump in now with, with what Dave was asking. Um, okay. And I'm actually, I think I'll piggyback off of what, what you were saying, um, because I think it's, it's this general misconception about what networking is and what it isn't. And it was so much more about those, those personal connections and building a relationship. I, I believe from a business perspective, if you have five really strong people that are in your network, that are your referral sources, and you have really good relationships with them, they can feed you for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. um, it's not necessarily about the numbers. You know, I, I can talk to myself like I, you know, I love conferences and I love meeting people, but 
I, and I've told this story so many times, I hate those huge receptions where you walk in and you don't know anybody and, and it's just awkward. I much would prefer the, you know, hey, let's grab dinner later, um, four or five people, you know, having a small intimate conversation. That's really where the magic happens. I mean, I can tell you, I just joined a local networking group um, with some people that I've worked with or have known for a very long time, knew they had this group and thought, all right, they, well, the truth is, is that they started meeting in person again. And I was like, I need to get out. But that first meeting, which was literally down the street from my house, to get out the door, it was hard. Amen. Like, I hear you, man. It. I just physically just couldn't, just didn't want to go. But when I went and I was around people and it was a lunch and there, there was no topic, there was nothing. It just felt really good to be mm -hmm. around people. And I'll, I'll tell you a story just in terms of the relationships. Um, one of the women in the group I've known who actually runs a group I've known for many, many years. And um, I was telling Tom that this weekend um, we got hit we had three feet of water in our basement. Oh, Ida. And so um, this is by a little timeline. We're recording this early September, 2021. And uh, Hurricane Ida just came through. So that's what Jess is referring to now. Yes, yes. Um, completely unexpected. We're in New Jersey. Like we're not Florida. We're, you know, you just are used to it. And, um, you know, it was, it was bad. Um, but 60, 60 people in the Northeast have died as a result of Ida, which is a huge number up here of um, storm-related deaths. Huge number. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it, it's the damage is devastating. It's 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 crazy. And um, but you know, out of all of these stories, always you know you hear good things. And um, in this group, um, you know, we were we have a we have a Facebook thread, and there were about four of us who were impacted. And this woman who runs it um, mentioned that there's another guy in the group that had a dehumidifier, which you couldn't get anywhere. And she connected me to him. I had never met this man. He drove over to my house about 30 minutes to bring me this dehumidifier. And again, she, like she helped connect it. And she also, she was one of the four people who had some damage. And it was just, it just reminded me of one that there's good people, but these long-term relationships that you have where you're helping people um, and these groups that you're in, if your professional groups are, you know, can be so much more than just a, okay, means to, to do business and, and to exchange information that when you need people, they can be there. Um, you know, and, and I've always looked at it like that. Um, I think this is the first time in my life where I've actually needed the help and been on the other side of it. Um, and so I said, I, I just feel like the really, it, it all goes back to the relationships and not needing lots of people. You just, you need the right people and you need to, you know, be able to have those, establish those relationships in those smaller intimate ways, whether it's, going to a conference to meet new people or online. And I, I mean, I agree with Tom, like a thousand percent, everybody is zoomed out. It is incredibly hard to form those bonds online. It can happen, 
but I don't want anybody to feel like, oh my gosh, I don't want to get back out there or I forgot how to network. I think maybe we just completely change our thought process when it comes to networking and don't think about it in terms of, you know, how many hands can I shake, which we're not shaking hands anymore anyway. Um, oh, I miss shaking hands, <laughs> let alone hugging. Hey, Jessica, uh, well, I'll I get, hug. And <laughs> it's not a volume game. And that's uh, a really interesting point and probably maybe a big takeaway for me for the, at the end of the session. But uh, so it's not really a volume game. You don't really need tons of people that you're connecting with. I'm sure it, it helps. But if you have a handful of good um, connections, then um, that's going to go a long way. Um, but what do you think about the like the last couple of years? Maybe this is a dumb question. Do you think it really hurt people socially, or do you think uh, it's training us to interact in a more creative way? Or like, you think we're in a worse situation in terms of our personal connections? I think it's both. Um, I I mean, I definitely you know that like when restaurants open back up and I would go to order and talk to the waiter, I was stupid. Like I couldn't form a sentence. I, I felt like I lost <laughs> all of my social skills. Uh, I mean, when you're, when you're isolated and you're not around people the way you're used to, I mean, it definitely hurts. Uh, but I think for, at least for me, it has helped me reevaluate some of those relationships. And I know for for a lot of us, Tom, I know who were just traveling all the time and bouncing from place to place and not really having time to be, the slowdown gives us that time to realize like who is important, who are the people that have helped you and, and even who are the people that you wanna reach out to and maybe form a stronger relationship with. I mean, I know not everybody lives that go, go, go life. Uh, but I've definitely realized that that go, go, go life is not optimal. It's not optimal for business. It makes you tired. You're when you're in a place, you can't fully be there because you're on to the next one. Um, so I think the outcome is that there's balance. You know, when you, and when you talk about that go, go, go life, I, I get on my time hop app daily memories. And every now and then I get that memory that says, I'm so excited to pack for a 16 day trip with seven cities speaking in three times, two industry events and two conferences, all in 16 days where I'm going to leave. That's Tom's life. That is Tom's it, life right there. I, I get, when I get that, when I get that time hop rumor right now, I'm like, I don't know if I want to go back to that. It's, it, you're right, Jessica. It just, it can wear you out. Um, but I, I think going to your point, Jessica, I think, mo and Dave, most people, networking to me has never been about what can I get from all the people in the room? It's, it's really before you go, I think people that are, if you want to be an effective networker, it's imperative that you actually um, look at what you have to offer as well. Who's in your network? Because I know what I've been told to me many times, I love to connect like two people that actually need something and both could help each other. And that's about as powerful a thing as you can do for people instead of just, you know, always trying to connect with people. If you understand what people have to offer and, and somebody says, hey, you know, I'm really looking for someone who can help me with my branding. And you know what? I have a friend, Jessica Levin, seven degrees. That's her specialty. And I make that connection. That's powerful to those two people. And when you walk in a room, I think it's imperative that you understand who, what you can offer as well as what you're looking for. Because I just like to find, two, like you said, Jessica, two people. When I used to go to ASA uh, annual conference, when I walked in the opening night reception, 
uh, or uh, it's more like great ideas because it was all in one room. I like, I told my wife, we're going to start on this corner and we're walking a diagonal to the other corner through the crowd very slowly and looking for people we know or want to meet. And we're just going to introduce ourselves, you know, and I think having a strategy to go into those rooms is, is pretty necessary. If you just, to me, if you just go in and wing it, you probably aren't going to meet too many people that actually can help or be a part of what you want because you haven't really given any forethought. I mean, kind of what, what's your thoughts on that? I well, yeah, That's really, I want to hear more about that because I never go into a party cocktail party event with a strategy. I would I've, love to hear if I've always gone in with a strategy. Dude, tell me more about that. Jess, talk to me. So, I mean, it's, it's actually Len. So perfect pairings is actually all about this. Who do I know that I can connect you to? Right. And in order to be able to make those pairings, you have to know people, right? Like otherwise mm -hmm. you don't. Um, but my, if you were to say, a, you know, narrow it down to a strategy, the strategy is going into it with that mindset of when you meet people thinking about who you can introduce them to rather than kind of scanning the room. Um, you know, I think you naturally will gravitate towards certain people. And as you start to build your network, you will be able to find people to connect. Um, so it's really about almost more of a mindset than a strategy. Um, you know, in some cases, and it totally depends on your job, right? If you're, you know, if you're in sales, you definitely need to try to meet the right people. But I, I you know, I always, say like if you go into it not trying to help yourself but trying to help others somebody's going to introduce you to the right people that you need to know for yourself so right. I, said, I think it's more of mindset than strategy you know always going into that um and it's funny there there's a guy and it, it ties into my my ida story um, a friend of mine who i met in a networking group said i needed to meet this guy frank frank does marketing and frank and i both thought you know, I don't need to be another marketing person right now, blah, blah, blah. Well, it turns out that we went to lunch. We really hit it off. We don't do the same things. We compliment each other. We've done a ton of work together. And on Thursday, Frank tried really, really hard to get to my house to come and help me. He couldn't get here, but that was like a relationship where somebody else said, hey, you guys need to know each other. And, and it turned into we've both gotten actual business from it and, you know, and, and offered to help. So sometimes you, you just don't know where a relationship is going to go. You have to, as a connector, like sort of use your instincts and say, you know, what? sometimes I don't even know why these two people need to meet, but I feel like they need to know each other. And it could be a day later that they need to work together. It could be 10 years later. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, just always having that mindset of bringing people together, meeting people, learning about them. And I, I, I do think it's important that, you know, you gravitate and, and you connect with people who have similar values, who you like, not necessarily having to meet everyone, but if you like them and you can form those relationships, they're going to become somebody that you want to introduce to somebody else, because that's, as important. It's not just, you know, I know somebody who can do X, Y, and Z, but I know them, I like them, and I trust them. There's a, a guy I, I, I'm, I've become friendly with named Jordan Harbinger. He has a, a podcast called The Jordan Harbinger Show. 
Um, he's uh, it's it's just pure entertainment, you know. But this guy is a, a a master at staying connected with people, and he has this interesting strategy of um, making a list of the people that you feel are ex very influential in your life, one way or another. Um, people that, if you can imagine yourself totally down in the dumps, totally crashed for whatever reason, emotionally or financially or from a connection, whatever, people that are influential, however you want to define that in your life, make a list of them. Might be 20, might be 50, might be 100, might be five, but make a list of them. And his approach is really, really interesting. He says, text one of them every day. And the reason for that is oftentimes we don't, there's people we don't talk to, like Jess, we haven't talked in a couple of years now. And if I needed something from you, all of a sudden I text you, you're like, oh, it's Dave, wonder what he needs, right? As opposed to, oh, Dave's checking in again, right? So what he does is he, every now and then I get a text from Jordan and he says, hey, just checking in. What, just curious what you're up to. No need to respond if you're busy, you know, something like that. As opposed to, hey, Dave, wondering if we could talk about another podcast someday down the road. Like, what do you need from me? So I, I think that's a really, really good digital strategy for keeping in touch with people that are influential to you. And it just starts with the list of people. Yeah, I think during, during, you know, the pandemic, um, that happened a lot, or at least for me, that there was, it was a short list, right? And, and but not only is it a short list, but it actually told me who those people were. And it was reciprocal. Some people texted me, I texted them. And what I realized when I kind of looked at the people that weren't on that list, that the group of that is closest to me really matters. Um, you know, and I, I value them more. I appreciate them more. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not discounting what you're saying. Cause I, I think that that is important to it and, you know, and staying connected to people. Um, I, I, that's just one of the lessons that I learned that sometimes, you know, it goes back to that numbers game that we think we have a lot of, we have all these people in our lives, but it's very hard to have truly, truly meaningful relationships with a thousand people. We might know right. a thousand yeah. people, but to really have those solid relationships. Um, Don't confuse what I said as meaningful relationships. There's a difference between staying connected with people um, because they, they could influence your life one way or another. Like for instance, I'll, I'll just give you an example and uh, I'm gonna kind of make this up because I can't think of a, well, okay, here's one. I have a friend named Cal, Jordan Harbinger, actually, let's use Jordan. Jordan. Jordan's an interesting example because I don't know Jordan really well. It's not a meaningful relationship I have with Jordan. But if I need to, um, there's certain ways I know Jordan could help me just like I know I could help Jordan in certain ways. He's, he's a extremely popular figure in the podcasting world. I like him. I don't think that's using him if we have a mutually beneficial relationship and I like him a lot. So, but we just aren't in a life situation where I'm going to become best friends with him. So again, not necessarily a meaningful relationship, but a really good person for me to stay connected with, as opposed to just letting that relationship disappear in the distance. So like his perspective, and I agree with it, is 
you don't necessarily need to have meaningful relationships with people that you want to stay connected to. I, I understand that. And I, I mean, there's definitely people that, that I've, you know, I've touched base with um, and do, you know, just from, from that perspective, like, Hey, we haven't, we haven't talked in a while. And I, I don't think it's black and white. I, yeah. I had this thought the other day that, you know, people always talk about the gray area and I don't think there's a gray area. I think there's a rainbow colored area. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, right. and there's just lots of different, there's black and white, there's a rainbow colored area. And, in that there's just so many different scenarios and things like life is just not cut and dry and um, different people do serve different purposes and that is perfectly okay. And I think people need to accept that as it, as they're building relationships, as they're networking, that some people you will just have a purely professional relationship with. Some people will be associates some people will just be Facebook friends that you wave to for years and maybe you've never met in person and that's okay and then you'll have those people who really are are the drivers of of your business and of your you know your personal life and your you know your happiness Tom do you think that's inauthentic to like the, in the back of my head I'm like yeah so that relationship by the Jordan you're not friends you're just connecting with people to so you can get something out of them someday I I, I see for me, business is built on the back of those relationships, because I mean, when I first got when I first got into association management today, if I look after 15 years, when I first got involved in, in my second association here at MTI, <clears throat> I went to one ASA great ideas meeting in 2006. And I met six people who dramatically changed my life in terms of the, their networks I tuned in with. And Jess was a part of one of those with Midori Connolly. And it was just kind of a spider web that happened. And all of a sudden, within about three years of going to conferences, I had this, I had like one friend in the association space when I went. And after that conference, within about three years, we discovered the Yap Party. And I had literally hundreds of people that I didn't know personally, but they knew me and I knew them. But it was people I could call on or they could call me and we could help each other. And I think that's personal relationships like Jess is talking about are deep rooted things of people that would show up on your doorstep if you got three foot of water at midnight in your house. But there's a whole nother level of network of people that if you call and said, hey, I have this idea I want to pass by. I want you to get some input. I need your help. Or do you know anybody in it? And they'll step in in that moment because you have you're doing what Jordan does. You know, you're 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 texting every now and then you're building a relationship that says I care more about you as a business associate than I do just getting something from you. And you have a relationship at that moment. But it's kind of like, you know, if your kids only call you when they need money, well, what's the first thing you think of? Well, the only thing they want from me is money. Well, when a business associate does that, the only time they call me is when they want something from me. I mean, everybody That's knows Lowell work. Apple. That doesn't everybody, work long, long term. Right. Everybody knows Lowell Applebaum. He's like the godfather of, of strategic planning and associations. And I got a text from the other day. says, hey, Tom, would love to just connect with you. It's been a while and just want to see how you're doing. You got time for a Zoom call. So we're both busy guys. We made you know, made play for an hour long Zoom call. And we were on it for practically the whole time, just talking about where we are in our journeys as association executives and what we're doing and ideas. And he spawned an idea for me um, for my next membership campaign. So but Lola and I aren't like deep personal friends because of uh, a counselor friend I know said there's two things you need to have to have true bonding on a personal level. And one is uh, closeness and the other one is honesty. And so, you know, conferences forced us all that opportunity to have that closeness. I had like what I called a rat pack of 12 people. We were at every conference at ASA and FSA together 
for almost eight years, four times a year, I got to see them every quarter. And it was just like the funnest thing. It's like a family reunion every time. So I think, I think the virtual world has kind of removed that element. And because we don't have the personal force connection through conferences, a lot of people have struggled. They're, they're actually having to rely on their personal uh, relationships that are the close ones because those that are on the fringe that were just businesses. I mean, if you've got a, 500 of those that you see at conferences, you can't text 500 people every quarter. You know, so, so I, but going back today, the, the strategy part, which I think is important for people who are going back into these live meetings who really need to have a strategy. You know, my strategy that I referred to was before I left the office, I made sure that I wrote down in my phone two things that I was definitely looking for when I get to conferences, two problems or something I need solutions for. So I knew what I was looking to identify if I heard someone talking about it, like, hey, can I talk to you about that further? You know, and then I, I had one thing that was in the future that was on the radar screen. It wasn't impacting us today, but it helped me look into the future to say, if I was doing business five years from now, what's that thing that's going to get us, make us competitively disadvantaged? And so I talked to people about that. So I had those three things written in my phone. And then when I went around talking to people, I would just listen to conversations and talk to people and boom, someone would mention something on membership or non-news revenue. And I'd immediately say, hey, can I, can I ask you a question on that? And it helps you really identify the people and target people that you'd really like to have meaningful conversation with instead of just running around with a drink from end to end going, hey, how you doing, Dave? What you doing? And then run to, and go piece to piece. So that, that's always been my strategy. And it has worked like a charm because I knew what I was looking for when I walked into a room when I heard it. I, I think that's really cool, Tom. I, I, I do remember you telling me once years ago before a conference, I can't remember the details, uh, of, but you, it was a, you said, come up with three or five things that you want to get out of this. I, mm -hmm. I would kind of like, I, so I told my, my son is a junior in high school now. He's my youngest. He went in, I was like, on his first day of school, I remember driving him in and being like, hey, Luke, remember what it was like to be a freshman? I want you to find three freshmen today and just make them feel warm and welcomed by an upperclassman. Like you're the upperclassman, mm -hmm. find three right. freshmen, make them feel good about today because they're nervous and scared and they probably just want to leave. So go find three freshmen, and make them feel good. So this is actually a fun little story. So I went to a, a little local concert the other night. Um, uh, do you remember G Love from the? Yeah. A so G Love was in town and went to this little uh, surf um, place called Rexicana here in in Marshfield, Massachusetts, on the South Shore of Boston. And and um, uh, so I, there I am at this concert, and I ran into a friend of mine whose niece was there who happened to be a freshman. I was like, oh, you got to look up my son. And I held a picture up and showed her my my son. She says, oh, my gosh. My, by the way, 400-person class about is 1,200 people in the school. And I – wait, 12? No, 1,600. Don't, don't challenge me in math, all right? I see your judging look, let Jess – Anyway, so so okay. I held up the picture of my son. I was like, hey, hunt down this kid. He's a good kid. And she says, oh, my gosh, he sat with me at lunch the other day. <laughs> so this is a very long-winded story to say I like the idea of saying, you know what, I'm going to meet five people right. at the annual that I didn't know before. Mm -hmm. Five people where I actually am really interested in maintaining a relationship of some sort with five people, whatever that number is, I don't know, but I really like that. And I got that from, from you, whether you know it or not. So anyway, and started, I, I do and, like and, this idea and, of a strategy. And it started from our network. So, so, so I don't want to lose sight of the fact of giving 
the listeners some really powerful takeaways. One, I think what Jess has said has been great. I think the strategy part, but I want to relay the second stage of that strategy. And the volume doesn't matter. I love that takeaway from Jess. Is right. Like volume right. of people you know doesn't matter as much as being able to connect with them regularly and, and in a more meaningful way. So I'd like to share a strategy of how to network. How, most people hate small talk and then have Jess follow up. On I this. hate it. Yeah. So, so most people hate it. So most people don't know how to have meaningful conversations to even start it in a big group of people. And I had this uh, lobbyist who could walk into a room of 100 or 1,000 people and walk away with tons of business cards. And everybody thought he was the greatest guy. I said, how do you do that? He said, he said Tom, a sociology professor taught me years ago, and it's called form. He says, when you go in and you get your drink, your glass of water, and you walk around with people, and you introduce yourself. He says, F stands for family. You ask them a few questions about their family. So, you know, are you from around here? Is your family from here? How many generations? You just kind of go through some questions that are interesting to people. And, uh, and you, you know, what your kids do, where do they go to school? And then from there, you then O stands for occupation. So what do you do for a living? How's that industry? Has COVID had a big impact? And you just kind of have a nice conversation about that. And R stands for recreation. You know, I, I heard you had a boat. You love boating. Do you play tennis? What sports do you love to watch? And, and the M is funny. The M stands for now. It's my time after we talk about your family, occupation, recreation. It's my time. But here's the thing. The reception's over. It's time to go to dinner. And you've walked out and that person thinks you're the greatest person in the world. Why? Because you gave them a chance to talk about themselves in a meaningful way. And you, and you were interested in them, not trying to be so interesting and impressive yourself. And so that's a great system that has just worked charms for me for years to walk into a room and knowing nobody and actually have some meaningful conversation um, with people over time. And so, so just, I mean, did you mention anything, anything like that in your book and stuff? Oh yeah. I was probably, I mean, so I, I, I do mention that, you know, I don't like small talk and I, and I do, I just, those, those situations are, they're intimidating and um, I don't know, they're, they're just uncomfortable. I remember years ago, I mean, I was, you know, a few years out of college, maybe five years out of college. And I went to an event that was with a lot of senior people and I was the marketing person. And I remember some guy came up to me and as I told him that I was the marketing person and not the accounting professional or whatever, he basically ended the conversation and walked away because in his mind, he determined that I was of no Valueless. use yeah. Right. I, I, and I just remember that feeling and what I, what, it, but what it taught me is that you don't know, right? Like when you start talking to people, you don't know who they know. You don't know what they, what they know. You don't know how they're going to impact your life. And it could be in a way that you never expected. Absolutely. Um, you know? And so I, I, I mean, I, I think that that small talk formula is good. Um, it, it is hard um, because especially if you're sitting there thinking like, okay, you know, F O R. Okay. Ready to talk about me. <laughs> but some people work like that. Like some people need that. I, I hear that and it just confuses me and I just want to go in and just have a conversation. But I, I, I tend to, I don't struggle with small talk. And in fact, I don't even mind it because I see small talk as the on-ramp to a meaningful relationship. Right. So, and in fact, I'm always looking for those challenging opportunities to, all right, Cal Fussman, 
another guy interviewed in, a, in another podcast I do called EO360. It's an entrepreneur podcast where I interview really, really interesting people around entrepreneurship. And um, but Cal Fussman, he interviewed Muhammad Ali, in fact, lived with him for a week while he was interviewing him. Um, Gorbachev, uh, every class, every A class uh, actor you can imagine. This guy's like big in the journalistic interview. Place. But so I asked him, like, tell me about how you connect with these people, because he seems to be friends with all of them. And he's like, it's easy. You start with the heart and you move to the head, right? So, so it's very similar, Tom, to your formula, but you start with the heart. You don't ask people immediately about what do they do for a living or, or, um, or what, what's your membership growth been the last yeah. three years? Yeah. Or, or what, how do you make money and, and what could you do for me? You know, like that, that's the head, like that's, the, that's later you start with, do you have kids? Do you, do you have animals? Do you like dogs? Do you, uh, is this your, is, is, do you have a family? You know, whatever, just start with something that's close to the heart. So he interviewed Gorbachev, fascinating story. He interviewed Gorbachev and he thought he was gonna have 45 minutes with Gorbachev to, to do this story. So he's gonna get, you know, five, six, seven questions off in 45 minutes. The publisher calls him and says, I'm sorry, uh, Mr. Gorbachev is very, very busy today. You'll have 10 minutes with him. And he's like, what the fluff? Like, how am I going to write an article on one question? Like, I get one question. How, how do you write an article on your interview with Gorbachev on one question? So he goes in there and he's like, because, I mean, 10, 10 minutes after the translation and the how do you do's and all that stuff, you get one question. So you know what question he asks? He says, what's one thing you learned from your father? Gorbachev looks up at the ceiling and the way Cal described this to me, he was like, he looks up at the ceiling as if he's watching a movie on the ceiling. And it brings him back to a time when they, he was a kid and he dropped his father off at the train station because he was heading off to war. And they all got an ice cream cone and he got a vanilla ice cream cone. He remembers the feeling and the, and the taste of this ice cream dripping down the cone. That's Gorbachev where everybody's asking about nuclear weapons and the, 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 all that stuff, this guy's asking him and he's talking about an ice cream cone and his father. So the, the, the publisher comes in and is like, okay, that's it. Um, or the, the, the person who's in charge of Gorbachev's schedule, whoever that is. The she handler. Comes in, the what? The handler. Yeah, so the handler comes in and she's like, she's like, that's it, time's up. You gotta get the next interview in here. He says, no, one more question. And that's my Russian accent right there. And, <laughs> uh, and so he gets another question in. And she comes in again 10 minutes later. And he's like, one more question. And he went on. He got his 40 minutes with this guy because he started with the heart. And right. then he started getting into the questions about the nuclear weapons and so on. And, you know, if your father went off to war, what does that mean for your perspective on war today? You know, so, it, it, so my point, the long-winded point is start with the heart, move to the head. Yeah, I think that's what form really does for yeah. people like me. Because Structured most way of are, doing that, right? If, if, yeah, if you walk, if you ask most people, so what, what do you ask when you typically go into networking reception? They're like, I really don't know what to ask. So what form does, it gives you a formulation of thoughts that you can piece together yeah. to start at the heart and move in later if it evolves into that into something more, more business oriented. 
All right. So we are, uh, we just have a couple minutes left and Jess, one thing we always do, I, I actually want to hear a little bit more about the books. Gosh, I, but one thing we're, we're going to do before we wrap is Tom and I always say, Hey, here's something we took away from the conversation today. And we want you to do the same, you know, what's one revelation, one epiphany that you're taking away today so that we can share those with the audience. But, but before we do, so uh, you're working in your third book, Being When You Grow Up. What mm -hmm. is, uh, what, what's the premise there? And when's it out? What's your, what's your, when do you think you're gonna have this done? Um, I was hoping the end of this year. Uh, if it's the end of not, 2021, yeah. Yeah, if not end of 2021, uh, 2022. Um, you know, it started out, actually it started out as a book on mentoring but it wasn't, I wasn't feeling it. And re I realized that um, I was actually speaking, I was being interviewed by a woman who said, I want to be an entrepreneur when I grow up, but it will never happen. And I just, it just hit me. I just, uh, it I hurt. agree with her already. And, I can tell you she's right. It will not happen. Well, <laughs> so, so here's the interesting thing though. Um, I, you know, I told her, well, that's not true. And, um, you know, I, I kind of started switch, switching the theme of the book. I spoke to her a few weeks after and she started telling me that she'd actually started this doggy uh, uh, banner, you know, a bandana line and that she was an entrepreneur, but she had a full-time job. And in her mind, she couldn't be an entrepreneur if she was working as an accountant. And it was just really telling to me that we put ourselves in these buckets. You go to college and I, and I spoke to a group of, of college students about this and they affirmed this for me. You sign up for a major and this is what you're supposed to do. And this is what you're going to do for the rest totally. of your life yeah. versus you can, maybe you're going to have one career for five years and another career for five years, or maybe you're going to have two simultaneous careers. Maybe you're going to be a mother and stop working and then go back to work. Maybe you are going to win the lottery and start a not-for-profit, but these traditional constructs. We're not um, buckets, man. We're not segments. Yeah, we're not. Um, and I actually, so in, in writing the book, um, my first interview is actually with somebody who's a, um, a Marine veteran, vet, Vietnam veteran, who really went through that traditional career path. Yeah. Like the Marines, got a job, like did the whole thing. And so I'm starting out like talking to him um, and then building on how much has changed from that traditional model and just letting people know. And when I spoke to this group of students about this, their ahas. I, I got so many messages from them that were just like, nobody ever told us this. Nobody ever said, you can do all of these things and you don't necessarily have to pick one path. Dude, I, I'm with them. I totally am totally with them in, in this. I think that's brilliant. I cannot wait to see this book. Um, to, to keep in touch with Jess, you can go to sevendegrees.co and um you'll you'll be able to see her books and and what what she looks like and what she's doing and and all about uh jessica um the other books perfect pairings the art of connecting people and everyone has shit unsolicited advice for being human 
Jess, thanks so much for being with us. So Tom, what's your, what's your key takeaway? So Jess's story resonates with me so much about the guy that talked to her for a few minutes and summed her up and said she offers nothing. So he ended the conversation. Yeah. And my, what I have learned in my 15, actually 25 years of association management is that everybody has something to offer. It just may not be that day. And she said the magic word, you don't know who they know. And when I look at my success in the last 15 years that, that um, you know, in association management, it's, it's, it's from hard work. It's from really coming up with great ideas. But it's also the sum of the people that I've been around me who've supported me, given me encouragement, helped me unpack ideas. Jess is part of that network that early on over the years has really helped me do that stuff. And so my takeaway is talk to everyone in a meaningful way and start with the heart because you don't know where that's going to end up over time. I've had someone help me 10 years later, uh, just this past week, I've had someone that I've been a mentor with for years in the associate in the uh, hotel industry. And one of my employees is a big Florida Gator fan and wants, they're, they're, they're going to Tampa and they wanted to see if they could get a hotel because it's going to be crazy. And I, I just texted her, said, Hey, want to find out if you happen to have any Rachel can help us get a hotel in your Hyatt down there for my, I want to surprise my um, employee and her husband with um, a place to stay down in Tampa during the three days. She said, Tom, I give them my friends and family rate, which is half of what they're going to pay on the street. You know, and that that didn't come. That came from a long relationship where we both were connecting and helping each other over the years at different levels. But that's what networks can do for you is help you move from point A to point B in a much more efficient manner. So, you know, my thing is talk to everyone, make, be interested more in them more than interested in you and start with the heart. That's good, Tom. I. Uh... I'm just writing this down, what I want to say, because um, I definitely have a big takeaway that I got from this. First of all, just let me say that I've really enjoyed this conversation. And um, this is probably the the most meaningful conversations I've ever had with you. Everything else, every other time I've ever talked to you at conferences and stuff has been small talk, right? We never got to actually having an interesting conversation about something. And I regret that because I've known you for years and we've never talked to this degree, and I really enjoyed it. Well, thanks. Um, There's no tequila involved right now. So. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. <laughs> that's, that margarita. I, uh, but I'm sitting here looking at your website, and it's just amazing, like, the number of perspectives we share. You, you have in the upper right-hand corner, start the conversation. I don't know if you know what I do, but I have a company called PropFuel, and it's, it, it, I'm going to plug it because it's so relevant to this. It is about starting conversations with members and creating uh, individual connections, taking them out of those buckets that you're talking about, right? Let's not segment our members. Let's talk to them like they're individuals on individual journeys in their membership. And so I love this, this button that says start the conversation that you have here. Fantastic. Anyway, my key takeaway today is um, the importance of going into uh, any kind of networking I hate that word. I, I really, really hate that word networking because it makes it sound like work and it makes it sound insincere. But anyway, I'm going to use it. Going into any kind of networking opportunity with a strategy. And so that's, um, that's my key takeaway here. Jess, your turn. What'd you get out of yeah. your interview today? Well, I think I might, um, I might look at my list and not necessarily look at who's influential, but maybe look at just the people who I maybe didn't keep in touch with as much that are good contacts, that are good, I'll use the word friends, that yeah. might have just 
fallen off the radar uh, and reconnect with them. Awesome. I love it. Jess, yes. thanks so much for being here. Tom, we good? Yeah, that's it, man. Jess, thank you so much. Always good to see thank you again. You. And tell Wes, your, your people from Florida said hello. Or now, now we're in Nashville. You know, we moved to Nashville. So. But hopefully we get up to Jersey sometime over the summer and we get to, get to see you and Wes again. Bring me some hot chicken. <laughs> we will. We will do that. Dave, good to see you, my friend. You rock on. And remember, we're not strong. We are association strong, right? <laughs> that's right. Bye, guys. We hope you gained some inspiration that will help you run an efficient and effective association just like a business and maybe laugh a little with us. If you have a topic you would like to hear us talk about or if you just want to reach out to us for any reason, you can contact us at Tom at TomMorrison.biz or Dave at PropFuel.com. Give us a review if you haven't already. And don't forget, subscribe and share with your friends.